The Athletic. Welcome back to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club on The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as ever by The Athletic's Aston Villa writer, Greg Evans. And right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of just £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including this one. Just go to theathletic.com slash villapod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash villapod. Greg, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dan. I'm good. Very busy. Um, very, very busy, actually. So, uh, But looking forward to talking to you, pal. Of course, it's always nice that I know you're very busy doing all your articles, but you, you like to come on and, and do a podcast as well. Just just tell us a little bit at the, at the top end of the show. What, what have you got going on at the moment? Uh, yeah, I'm working on a couple of um, longer features that will you know, hopefully come out later in the month. Um, it's mad, really, isn't it? The season's almost coming towards an end now, it feels like. Uh, it feels like we're only just getting started, but there's, what, only 11, 12 games left for most teams. So, you know, we're at that stage now where the... You know, the spring's coming, isn't it? And uh, starting to look forward to the summer a little bit. So um, just doing a bit of forward planning, but there's plenty going on, I can assure you that. It's good, though, that actually with Villa, it's the first time for a number of years that there's no squeaky bum time and that we're not worried about what league Villa are going to be in and, and things like that. So it, it, it's great, actually, that although we're on a bit of a sticky patch at the moment, which was probably accumulated with the Wolves game at, at nil-nil on, on Saturday, we're still picking up points and there isn't really anything to worry about. Yeah, it's, it's nice as a reporter as well to, to know that, you know, I'm going to be in the Premier League next season. Um, there's no threat of obviously relegation. There's still a slight outside chance that Villa could get European football next year. Um, and, you know, it's, for me, it's still a very positive season, you know, looking forward to having the fans back, hopefully, at the end of this season or, or the start of next season. So um, hopefully some good times to look forward to. And it would just be nice to get football back to normal again. You know, the fact that I want to still be going to every game, some some games I can't go to because um, of the COVID restrictions, you know, and social distancing and, and the limited amount of press seats and, and things like that. So just looking forward to it, you know, as, as I presume you are, Dan, getting back getting football back to normal, getting those stadiums full again and um, just seeing what football looks like with fans back in again. I mean, you think they'd make room at every game for the Midlands Premier <laughs> Football Reporter, Greg Evans. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that you're, you're not in, in every ground, Greg. You were in the ground on Saturday, though, for Villa's draw with Wolves. A real game of two halves, wasn't it? Villa good in the first half, I thought, but in the second half struggled and perhaps lucky not to lose. Yeah, I think so. In the end, when you look at the two chances that that Wolves had in the second half, you know, Cody and, and Saiz, how, how he missed that, you know, the latter missed, I, I'll never know. That looks like one of the, the worst misses I've ever seen, certainly live. Yeah, terrible. Um, you know, if, if, if those chances had fallen to midfielders or attackers, then Wolves probably go on to win the game, but, you know, Villa had a couple of decent chances in the first half, didn't they? You know, they hit the woodwork themselves twice. Ollie Watkins again now taking his tally to to seven strikes off the woodwork this season, more than any Premier League player. And, you know, you just think of even half, you know, three or four of those that had gone in. His numbers are looking incredible now, wouldn't they? So, um, still think Ollie Watkins has had a good season. I just feel that Villa are mm-hmm. now at the stage where they probably do need another striker in there to come in and, and either support him um, or take the pressure off him in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes. Because 
look, he's a very, very fit lad, but for him to be playing every single week of uh, every single minute of every single game, he, you know, he's going to catch up on him at some point. Yeah, he's had three or four with VAR as well, hasn't he? So he could be looking at absolutely ridiculous numbers if it wasn't for the woodwork and, and VAR. I know all, all strikers will probably look back on, on things that have happened to them through the season, but it does feel like he's particularly unlucky, doesn't it? It does, Dan, yeah. It, it does feel like he's unlucky, as you say. You know, the VAR calls were um, are probably more unluck- unfortunate than, than the times he's hit the woodwork because, it, let's be honest, that's his own doing, isn't it? You know, if he doesn't hit the target, then he's not going to score a goal. So, um, you know, but... It does feel like he's been a little bit unlucky, but I think overall he's had a decent season. I think he'll be quite pleased with his numbers. Um, although Dean Smith tells me that every time he doesn't score, he's quite frustrated. And I think he's go, he's on one of these little runs now. He's near four or five games where where he hasn't got a goal. So um, you know, it'd be good for any striker, obviously, to to, to end that. And um, there's no better team than to do it against than, than Newcastle on Friday because for me, I think they're they look like the worst team in the league at the moment. No, I mean, it was Newcastle actually after his, I think it was 10 or 11 games. He had a drought earlier on in the season. It was Newcastle at Villa Park that he broke his ducking. So you'd like to think he'll go there on Friday and do it again. Just just staying on the on the Watkins theme a little bit. With no Jack in the team, Barkley's obviously been on the bench as well. It kind of felt a little bit like Villa were relying on, on some magic from Watkins. They needed him to pull a rabbit out of the hat. You could argue that isn't really his game. I know he's crashed one off the bar from 30 yards, but but do you know mm. what I mean? You're kind of looking for a moment of magic from someone who that's not really his game at all. Yeah, I think he certainly sets the tone for, for Villa, doesn't he? You know, in a way that um in a way that Dean Smith loves, you know, that Villa haven't had a striker up there like that for for, for a long time, really. So um that he's brought a different dimension to Villa this season. But it's slightly concerning, isn't it, that isn't it that Villa have only scored two goals in the four games that that Jack Grealish has been out. So we hope, obviously, that, that Grealish isn't out again in the future, but it's it's inevitable, really, that he's going to pick up injuries or he's going to have, um, you know, spells on the sidelines. Every player does. So Villa really do need to find a rhythm without him because it, the same patterns are emerging now, aren't they? You know, okay, results are picking up, you know, result points are ticking over quite steadily. But, but Villa are not the same team without Grealish. And, and I know you can say that I get about you know, Man United probably wouldn't be the same without Bruno, Barcelona, not the same without Messi, etc. You know, go on and on. But, you know, it's a very real thing. Villa need to be contributing in other areas. And um, for me, the most creative, the most unpredictable, explosive, whatever you want to call it, player other than Grealish is Bertrand Traora. And for me, he hasn't really done it the last few weeks. I've been really disappointed with him. In fact, he's he's become quite frustrating to watch, to be honest, for me. And I think that um, the last few games without Grealish in the team, you know, he's needed to step up and he hasn't. No, it's been quite difficult for him. Trezeguet on, on the left as well on, on Saturday, kind of flitting in and out the game, really. He he never seems to be able to do it for a sustained period. He, he'll look good for 10 minutes and then you won't see him for, for half an hour and he'll toil and he, he'll frustrate you as well. I guess that's just wingers in general. I mean, Jack is, isn't a natural winger and he is a massive game changer for Villa, but you're right. Villa need to find a way of, of winning without him and, and in the main, they've not really done that since he's been out. Dean Smith did change the the midfield again. So it's a, the midfield combinations at the moment in the middle of the park have have been changing every, every week, haven't they, for, for the different games. You did a piece on it straight after the Wolves game. It was Sanson that came in alongside Louise and McGinn. What did you make of that? Well, yeah, it, it was the sixth midfield variation in, in 12 games. So, you know, a, a Villa, Villa were a team at the start of this season who 
who knew their team, didn't they? It picked itself. Um, okay, it's been forced on them to make changes because Matt Cash and Jack Grealish have got injured. But, um, you know, Dean, Dean Smith has, has clearly wanted to mix up his midfield as well. You, you've effectively, you've got six players there now. Haven't you? You've got six players fighting for three positions. So in on one hand, it's healthy because the options are there. And if one player isn't doing it, another one can come in. But then on the other hand, I don't really think... I mean, I, I can't name the strongest three at the moment. Um, I'm not 100% sure if, if, if Dean Smith can. Um, I put it out on Twitter, you know, to, to see what the, fa- the fans and supporters thought about it. And a lot of the messages back were, were, was, why do we need to have a strong three? Why don't we select three for various games, you know, depending on, on the opposition that, that Villa come up against? And yeah, I thought that was a fair point, but... Um, I got a little bit of stick, really, for, for saying that Sanson didn't uh, perform as well as I expected. Now, I, I want to... Yeah, you were questioning my tweets, weren't you? You had a little little, little question of my, of my tweets that I did. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I'm not for one minute, I want to make it 100% clear, I'm not for one minute writing him off, you know. I'm, I, I would never do that to a, to a player who's played, um, who's made one start and just a handful of, of appearances. Um, all I was pointing out was that I watched him for the first 45 minutes, I, you know, effectively player cammed on him, watched everything he did and he passed the ball forward once, you know, so what was, maybe I should have asked Dean Smith um, what he was asking Sanson to do. But for me, he just looked very, very safe. Okay. It's his first appearance. Maybe he just wanted to settle into it, you know, get a, get a, get a decent passing accuracy going, not lose the ball, just, just keep the ball moving, be quite efficient in there. He played quite deep, didn't he? You know, it was almost McGinn who was the, McGinn yeah. was the more advanced one, and 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 Sanson was almost on the same line as Louise. You know, it was it was it was two holders effectively, and then the few things that he tried to do forward didn't uh, didn't really come off. I think he dinked a long ball over to Bertrand Traore, which went straight out of play. He had a couple of chance times where he tried to take um, defenders on. One was successful, one wasn't. Um, at the time he lost the ball, he went back and chased uh, the, the um, Neto, I think, and fouled him and ended up getting booked. And then on 60 minutes, he was taken off because because he had that booking. So for me, I just thought for a first for, for a first um, for a first start, I wanted to see a little bit more. I expected to see a little bit more. Um, but you know, as I say, I'm not for one minute writing him off because. I think there's a player there and and I've listened to the people at Villa who have spoken very highly of him and they know better than me. So let's wait and see what happens in the future. You could argue though that he was on the pitch in the first half when Villa were a lot better. When he wasn't there in the second half, Villa were worse. Indeed, indeed. I'm not yeah. saying it's just down to him, but you yeah. could argue that. Yeah, that, I mean, look, that's a that's a very valid point. Um, there are lots of variables, aren't there? I, I thought Wolves stepped up in the second half, for example. You know, you could look at it. It was an underperforming performance from Wolves and, and, and a, an overperforming performance in the second half of Wolves. Um, you know, Nuno said after the game, he was asked constantly, why is it that your team keep underperforming in the first half and then turn up in the second half and produce this kind of performance that, um, you know, was like a Wolves team of last season? And he just said, I do not know the answer to it. My team can't seem to perform in the first half, but always do in the second half. So, you know, it's a, it's a worrying trend that they've got there or, you know, a, a pattern that, that they want to um, change up. So I think what Dean Smith said was was really quite telling. He said that if you take Manchester City out of the pack, and he probably should have mentioned Chelsea as well because they're in good form, you've got 18 or 19 teams in the division that are trying to find some rhythm at the moment. And it's very true, isn't it? You know, every team is dropping yeah. points. There's no one really going on a on a regular run of results. And 
And the fact that Villa is still there in the top half of the table is a bonus, well, a positive at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've said previously on, on this podcast, usually a bad run for Villa is losing five or six in a row. I mean, it was only 10 days ago, 11 days ago that we were winning up, up at Leeds. So we're still picking up points amidst this bad run. And with Sanson, it's probably not the ideal time for him to come in because we're not firing on all cylinders. Hello listeners, sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favour to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I just wanted to go back to what you were saying about the best midfield. You could argue that the, the best midfield doesn't even it doesn't even include one of the six central midfielders that, that you were talking about in that Jack could play as a number 10 and Al Ghazi on the left because that when Jack was 10 and Al Ghazi was left, we were really playing well before Christmas. I think Louise and McGinn are the best two at, at sitting in front of the back four. I think that's where Villa have picked up most of their clean shades. That's where Villa's best performances have come from. If you had to pick a team for a cup final tomorrow, oh, what wow. would you pick? Um in, just go with the midfield. I mean, everyone knows the back four well, I mean, of the striker. Yeah, Jack's injured. Now Jack's or... there. Everyone's fit. You got a cut for you got a cut final. Who would you pick in the yeah, well, midfield? I think, you know, we, we 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 know the goalie. We know the back four. We know Watkins up front, and then I'd have um, Louise McGinn Grealish as the number ten, uh, Traore as the right winger, and El Ghazi as the left winger. Yeah, I think I think that's what I'd go with at the moment, just because. El Ghazi's done well when he's coming. You can't argue with his output. And as I say, before Christmas, Jack and El Ghazi in tandem were doing well for us. And Troy Ore was scoring goals at, at that point as well. It's You do need an element of rotation, I don't you? You need certain players for certain games. I do get that. But I think Villa have been at the best this season when it's been settled. And it's a bit of a mishmash at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I mean, the only, I suppose the only variation we haven't really seen is whether Nakamba and Louise can play together. McGinn's undroppable, isn't he? I think Dean Smith wouldn't take him out, I don't think, for even a single game. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, he certainly doesn't look that way, does he? Does he? You know, he's had one game. He's, the only game he's missed was through suspension. So you could say that he's had his little rest that, that you know, he needed maybe um, or that, that every other player has had. Um, but it certainly seems that Smith likes to likes to stick with him. And yeah, there have been games where, where John McGinn hasn't been as, as good as we know he, he can be. But I still think he's probably... You know, 
the strongest midfielder out of the, out of the, the six available right now, I'd say, yeah. Um, I mean, it's crazy, really, isn't it, that what's happened to Ross Barkley? Because if, if we'd have been having this conversation two or three months ago, Barkley would have always been in that team for us, um, you know, that, that we were going to pick. So, yeah, I mean, what do you think, Dan? Do you think the Canberra and Louise could ever play together? Maybe push Louise slightly higher up and see what he does there? You know, I know he certainly does that for Brazil at times. You could play with two sitters quite easily and Louise would be the one that's slightly more advanced than the two. I think that could work. I think Villa at the moment, because Jack's out, they're trying to get McGinn higher yeah, up the pitch definitely. and it's not it's not really working. I think McGinn's best games have been deep next to Louise this season. I think of, of Chelsea away, okay, we were under the cosh. I thought he was absolutely brilliant that day and when he has had the licence to go forward, I think for some reason, I don't know what that is, I think Villa have struggled when they've played a 4-3-3 and McGinn's been asked to bomb on with Barkley. I don't think you can write Barkley off either. He, he could quite easily play on Friday and I remember him scoring an absolutely world-class goal down at St. James's Park for Everton. He could quite easily play himself back into form and then you're saying he's he's undroppable again. I do think Barkley will play on Friday for, for what it's worth. So it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks, but, but one thing's for absolute certain, Villa need Jack Grealish back ASAP. Have you got any news on that? Uh, no, they, uh, I wish I had, but I haven't. No, they, they do need him back, don't they? I mean, he, I don't think he, he will be risked at, at Newcastle because for me, it doesn't make sense. They, they go in there, a game that they probably expect to win anyway. If they do lose, it's it's going to be disappointing, but it does, it's not the end of the world. Um, and then Villa go into an international period. So do they want to throw Grealish back in for one game? Whereas they could just rest him, and then he gets that that period during international break as well to to recover fuller. Um, I know Jack Grealish is very frustrated at the moment. You know he's the life and soul of of that training ground, and he, he can't get back out onto the grass at the moment, at least up until the time that we were recording this podcast. Um, you know, so he he's frustrated. He wants to be training. He wants to be playing. He wants to be fit and available, but. Um, you know, injuries injuries happen and, and they occur in football, and he's just got to accept that this is his time where he needs to sit on sidelines and and, and recover. But yeah, as you say, Dan, you know, Villa just aren't the same without him. So sooner he's back, the better. Yeah, and you'd expect you'd expect to see him back after the international break that, that's incoming at, at the very very least. And one person we could be talking about in the international break is Esri Concer been heavily talked up in the media actually over the last few weeks that he is on Southgate's radar that he is going to get a call up if he continues his form over the next couple of weeks it's a massive turnaround really I mean 12 months ago he wasn't even in Villa's best 11 was he it was Engels and Mings who played at that ill-fated game at Leicester that, that we lost 4-0 he's been incredible he is we used to say James Chester was a Rolls Royce I think Conser is probably up there at that level of being a Rolls Royce but in the Premier League it's been astounding really what he's achieved this season yeah he, yeah he has you know it's, he's he has been incredible I, I like him I'm, I'm liking him more and more every week as well now Me too. I think you know it was we agreed didn't we a few weeks ago maybe a month ago when we spoke we thought that Mings was maybe the most important um I stand by that. Yeah, I still certainly think Mings has got a, a major role in that team. And I, I actually think that Konza complements him really well. So I think if you take one of them away, they're not, they're not the same, if you know what I mean. I think they're a really, really strong, solid per- partnership. I think they yeah, both, exactly. um complement each other well. If you think of Konza, he's, he's not really a player that, you know, engages hugely in, in like defensive actions, isn't he? He doesn't... He doesn't get into tackles and interceptions, but he's very effective when he's called into action. So he's almost like the calm head and and, and that's nothing against Mings. I just think that Mings is a little bit more expansive. He likes to be more creative in his passing. 
whereas Konza just simply passes and gets rid of the ball. You know, he's not, he doesn't like to, um, he very rarely plays it upfield, does he? It's, it's kind of a sideways pass and let somebody else deal with it. Um, and he reads the game superbly. I think that's his, probably his best trait. He doesn't go flying into tackles. He positions himself very well and then he reads the game really well. Um, and, and he's playing a massive part in the amount of clean sheets that Villa have made this season. I think what you're saying is very, very true, though, that they're a great partnership. But then Courtney Hawes could argue he's played next to either one of them and kept clean sheets as, as well. So it's good to have that option when we're in Courtney's fit again. But Concert does kind of kind of sweep up. He's the, he's the quieter one, Mings. He's the one bellowing, the one coming out with the ball, the one pinging the ball around. He's more of the, the stopper, whereas Concert's kind of like the, the cover man. He just sweeps up a lot of what he does probably goes un- unnoticed. I think it was the Sheffield United game where he did that that challenge that he made. He didn't go to ground at all. He just ran alongside the striker, did a nice little turn and just can't, came out with the ball. It was like Paul McGrath-esque mm. defending. It, it mm. was so calm. The issue I've got with concert in England is I just can't see Southgate calling up two Villa centre-halves, despite the fact that we've got one of the best defensive records in the Premier League. I just can't see it happening for some reason. You've got Stones, who hasn't been in the last few England squads. He's going to be coming in back into the discussion. Maguire's not not going anywhere. Is there room for both Concer and Mings for England? I mean, for me, and maybe I'm biased because I watch Villa every week, for me, there's there's absolutely no reason why Gareth Southgate can't can't name him in his squad. And, and to go an even step further, I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't be considering starting the two of them together because he likes Eric Dyer as well, doesn't he? Southgate, he always gets picked. Yeah, I mean, look, look, I, I get the fact that there's plenty of other centre halves available. Um, and I get that you've got Maguire playing for Man United and doing well, and Stones and re emergence of him, um, and other players that that you know have, have, have experienced it and been there and done it. Um, and are clearly in his thoughts because they that you know that he knows them well as well. But I just think if you're looking, if you're looking at the way Villa play right now, Mings and Cons are a key to that defence. They've got an unbelievable relationship. They they know each other's game really well. So for me, there's absolutely no reason why they, you know, they shouldn't be considered. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but they should certainly be a consideration. And actually, Cons will be very, very disappointed if he doesn't get into the, the England squad, I thought, because there's nothing more he could have done this season to get there. No, nothing more. He's very dangerous. When I say dangerous in the in the opposition box as well, he gets himself into good positions, but he's a bit rash with his finishing. But he also seems to be on the end of things, attacking set pieces. Where he's the most likely player to score from a set piece for Villa. I always think, obviously, he's hit the bar on Saturday. If Southgate's playing with the back three, I think Mings automatically plays on the basis that, that he's left footed. Although actually, in the last round of fixtures, that didn't happen at all, which was quite a surprise. I just worry for Concer that he. If he is playing a back three, Southgate likes to play Kyle Walker on the outside of, of, of the back Walker, three. Yeah, I can't yeah. see him not playing Maguire. And at the moment, I can't see him not playing Stones. you then got Eric Dyer, as, as I say, as well. I, I'm not sure he's going to get the call-up. I think he should, but I'm just not sure it's going to happen, Greg. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's, it's, it's tough on four. Connor Cody as well did well, didn't they? When he last had the call-up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he started to get on the end of um, a few chances as well for Wolves now, hasn't he? After breaking his goal-scoring duck, which was going on for about four years. So, um, yeah, you know, he's starting to become a threat um, at set pieces too. Just just going back to Konza in terms of his set piece um, threat, he, he has had a few really good chances, hasn't he? And I think he'd be quite disappointed that he hasn't stuck those away because if he had have, and look, you know, I'm not, not blaming him for, for Villa's, um, for Villa failing to see it, for, for Villa failing to convert draws into wins, but 
know, just think if 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 he'd have scored last minute at, at Sheffield United, or if he'd have scored against Wolves, um, you know, Villa would have been in an unbelievable position, wouldn't they, in the league? But look, it's not his job to go and score goals; it's no. his job to keep them out, and he's doing that very well. So, uh, I think he put a tweet out, didn't he, as well, saying that he was frustrated himself by by, by missing those chances, but. Um, I'm sure all the Villa fans will, will, will let him off because of the, the fantastic job he's been doing defensively. Um, in terms of England, I, I, I can certainly see what Walker playing left back. Yeah, it's, it's hard to see Maguire not playing. The way Stones is playing this season might might make it even hard, difficult for Mings as well. Um, yeah, it's re- it's really interesting. Look, we, 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 it's hard for us to second guess, isn't it? We need these friendlies to see what Southgate thinks, and I'm sure we'll know a little bit more next week. I guess in those COVID times, they have been picking bigger international squads, so that might play in his favour that he can get himself in the squad. And when, once you're on the training pitch, I mean, Grealish got himself into one of those big squads but wasn't starting games. But Southgate, having seen him every training session and giving him a few cameos, mm-hmm. he couldn't leave him out. So if Conte can get himself just to one of the camps and impress... There is a yeah, chance, yeah. I guess, and on his goal scoring, he could have quite easily had three. Yeah, in, I mean, look, in, you know, in, in the last week, there are other defenders on the fringe as well. In the Michael Keane's doing really well this season in a good Everton side. James Tarkovsky. Yeah, every time I see him, he looks great. You know, no disrespect to Burnley, but I can't. I'm, Surprises me that no one's picked him up yet. He'll be off in the summer. He's only got a year left mm. on his contract, I think, come summer. So if someone big will pick him up, he's, he's a very good defender. Ben Mee's a, a good yeah, defender, yeah, you know. So. I'm probably the wrong the wrong age, but he, yeah, there's loads of centre back options. It's just plenty of options, aren't there? It's just finding the right one for England. But thankfully, Villa have found, have found the right one. We could just do with concert sticking a few more away because also he's in my fantasy football team, like I could do with the extra points. Villa go to St James's Park on Friday. Greg and as we've said, they're, they're a pretty poor outfit at the moment. I mean, just watching our producer's face who supports Newcastle as, as we're talking about it, I can just see the dismay in his face as we, we talk about Newcastle. He, he looks low on confidence, and Villa should be going there and winning. I mean, yeah, they should. But you know, we we, we said this about Sheffield United, didn't we? We said they should be going there and beating them, who are no, the bottom of the league, and, and, and it didn't happen. So. Um, <sighs> It's the same old cliche, isn't it? But, you know, every game in, in the Premier League is going to be difficult. I just think if you could play any team at the moment in the Premier League, Newcastle are the ones you wanted to play because yep. I've, I've watched the last three games and been really disappointed with them. You know, they've OK, they've lost a couple of their key attacking players. Um, that's always going to that's always going to hurt teams, as Villa are finding with, with Grealish. But, I mean, they've just got nothing. They, they really haven't got anything. They, they seem to be defending quite well if that's you know if that's that's the only real positive that's I can just, give them that's all that's because that's all they do I know I know but like you know that but they've, they've been they've been coming up against other poor teams as well and not showing much in attack which is probably the biggest frustration you know for Newcastle fans as well they want to see an, an entertaining exciting exciting football they're not getting that at the moment they're on Steve Bruce's back um we know what it's like I know what it's like covering um, Aston Villa when supporters have, have had enough of Steve Bruce because it was the same. Um, when he was manager at Villa, you know, he got to the end of, of, of his time there and, and supporters wanted him out. It's it's similar up in Newcastle at the moment, it seems. Um, his job is just to keep them in the league, you know, unfortunately. You know, what, whatever happened at the, at the start of the season. And if you remember, Newcastle started very well. I mean... It was only did they win at Spurs or am I going to seasons mixed? Yeah, up? I mean, I think it was only December or maybe even January time that they were what 
seven eight points off the top you know that's that's where that's where they were at this it's just it's just the turn of the year that they've really gone to um gone to pot but look Steve Bruce's job now is to keep it uh keep Newcastle in the league and with Fulham really showing some momentum I think it's going to be difficult so he'll be up for it um don't think he's ever got, he hasn't even got a point against Villa has he in, in the times again we drew last season in St James's Park after COVID, right? Well, we, we, Elmo scored. Of course, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, Elmo Hamada, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, look, he'll be looking for his first win then, won't he? Against against Villa since leaving, and you know he hasn't managed to get that yet. I've got a couple of worries. My first worry would be, I feel like Bruce always kind of gets a result when he absolutely needs one, and I feel like he absolutely needs one on Friday. My second concern is that Dwight Gale always seems to be wheeled out against Villa, and he always seems to score against us. They two things that concern you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Two valid points again. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they don't half need a resort Newcastle. The pressure is massively building on them. But Dwight Gale, I can't really understand why he doesn't play. Well, he does. He always does against Villa. I guarantee you he'll play on Friday. It, it surprises me. I mean, look, you know, Newcastle fans might, might tell me different, but every time I watch Joel Linton, you know, he, he can't even strike the football. Whereas, whereas, whereas Dwight Gale, if you give him a chance, he typically scores, doesn't he? But... Um, I play him. I like. Well, let's hope he doesn't play because, as I say, I've, I've got some bad memories of him him scoring goals against Villa. I remember that. I mean, that was. Alice, remember it was it boxing? Yeah, he curled one in the one? top corner. Yeah. He scored in the playoff semis in the first leg, albeit Villa went through, but he still he still bagged the goal. There was the goal last season where, to be honest, bad memories of, of that game because I thought we were going down at that point. That was another game where I thought, right, we're absolutely 100% going down here because Newcastle wheeled out Andy Carroll and Dwight Gale. And it was Villa defended like they'd wheeled out Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. The goal they scored, the combination play between Gale and Carroll, I could not believe what I was seeing. I'm, I'm glad that we were a more defensive, astu- defensively astute outfit than we were that day now. And you'd like to think things like that wouldn't happen. Any chance of Cash being back? Or will he be out as well? Because you've done a piece on right backs this morning, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just tried to uh, try to explain really what the thinking why Gilbert was let go. Uh, on loan and ahead of Al Mohameda. Um, you know, you can read the piece and I won't give too much away, but it explains why why Gilbert moved over to Strasbourg, you know, that a little bit more of a sell on value for him, um, because potentially you know, we probably expect both of them to go this summer. Um Matt Cash we're, we're waiting for an update from Dean Smith. He was light training last week, so um we, we, we won't know until Thursday. Again, it feels like with the international break coming coming up, then they might wait it out Villa until, until they put him back out there. And you, again, it probably comes down to Villa thinking they might be able to win without him on Friday. We'll finish with the top three. Greg, you sent me the task of top three books. I'm going to be honest, there's not many Villa books that, that have done done the rounds, to, to be fair, but I've, I've, I've come up with, with three that I've read in my lifetime. So the first one, this is the, do you want me to do it in the order of best that I would say? Yeah, go on, your, your best memories. I would say the first one, John Gregory's autobiography from a few, two of his seasons at Villa. I've probably read that about four times overall because I love John Gregory and he's just, I feel that's a, a good read. He calls it The Boss because he likes Bruce Springsteen. I think that's the name of one of Bruce Springsteen's albums as well. It's just a, just a good read. And if ever you wanted to read about a manager that absolutely loved his job and loved Aston Villa Football Club, then that would be the one. The second book, someone you'll probably know from, from the press box, Greg, Rob Bishop. Oh, yes, yeah. Good lad, Rob. Euros and Villains, where it's like match reports from like every European game that, that Villa have, have ever played. It's a, it's a really, really good book. I got to know Rob quite well over the time he was writing that book as well, and he often spoke to me and asked me 
about things to do with the book as well and memory. So it was a, it was a good time. I really, really enjoy looking back at that book because again, it's been a long time now since, since Villa were in Europe. Hopefully you'll be able to write a new edition in the future, Greg. Let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rob is a, a book of knowledge himself. So uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, one, it's one actually I've been, I've been wanting to read myself. So I'll, I'll get onto that one at some point. Yeah. I like to think of myself as a, a young Rob Bishop until we did the quiz a few weeks ago and I came, came seventh. <laughs> I realised that I don't know as and much. tumbling down. Yeah. Don't know as much as I, as I thought I did. The third book, one of my favourite ever players to play for Villa. I couldn't even tell you what it's called, but Paul Merson did basically a year's diary of of when he was at Villa. Oh, really? And it's uh, it's, it's really interesting the problems he was going through at that time in in his life and trying to be a high-level professional footballer at the same time. It's just a a really interesting read. As I say, just a diary of his his first season at Villa, pretty much day-to-day and how how his life was. It's a a good read. One of my my favourite players at Villa Park over the years. I'll have to read that at the moment. I mean, while we're on the subject of books, I'm currently reading Gary Thompson's Don't Believe a Word, which is excellent you know he, he he spent his career at a lot of a lot of teams but he was he was at Villa at quite an important time really when they when they got promoted from um from division one you know under, under Graham Taylor so um you know he shared some really really funny and really quite heartfelt stories as well from Villa so um that's that's another one worth reading you, you haven't read that one yet Dan? no to be honest he was a little bit before my time so obviously I know mm. I know Gary Moore as a as a pundit, a pundit he's always yeah, been someone that's yeah. been talking about Villa since I since I've been supporting the club. But I've certainly know a lot about him, and yeah, I need to read more in general. To, to be honest, the only thing, and I'm not just saying this, the only thing I read is the Athletic. I don't, don't read any, anything else really. That's my my daily read <laughs> is going is going on the Athletic and and, re- and reading stuff on there. I need to get into my books. I bought so many footballers' autobiographies, and they just sat there and have haven't been read. I got Wenger's was the last one I got. I've read the first chapter and I haven't been back to it since. I just find it really difficult to read books for some reason. It's a time-consuming thing, isn't it? And yeah. Given that every every article on The Athletic is 500,000 words, you know, I can imagine why it's uh, taking up a lot of your time. Yeah. Hero and Villain, the Paul, the Paul Merson book's called, by the way, the producer just flashed it up in front of me because of my poor research. He's had to go and have a look himself and let us know. See, if you want to check out any of my top three, I imagine the books are available on Amazon or all other good bookshops. Greg, that does us today. Thanks ever so much for joining me. I presume you're not going to the game on Friday. I'm not. I'm not. No. And oh, uh disappointing. I like going to Newcastle. I do I have to admit I really like going up there. I like staying over and having a drink in the town after but looking the way the world is at the moment well the way that the country is at the moment, it's not the same, is it? So I won't miss it too much. You'd be sat in a hotel on your own, I imagine, yeah. having a drink. Something I imagine no, no, you've done no, many no, times before. No fun in that. I did that at Brighton and didn't enjoy no. one bit. So no. Well, you enjoy you enjoy watching the game on on the TV. Although it's on BT Sport and Villa are a disaster on BT Sport. That's another factor to worry about going into Friday's game. Thanks ever so much for all of you t- for joining us today on 1874. We'll be back next week, hopefully talking about three points of the Villa up at St James's. Only one thing left to say: up the Villa. Athletic.